What up, world? Welcome to another episode of the RJ Ochoa Show. The RJ Ochoa Show is your home for weekly discussion about the National Football League. My name is RJ Ochoa, your humble host. I am a staff writer at InsideTheStar.com, your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news analysis and also the host of Ocho Live, the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option which you can watch on my own personal Twitter or Periscope. Follow me at RJ Ochoa or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed every day at 3 p.m. Central Time. We also have shows after every single Dallas Cowboys game and Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football game. There is a lot of football and a lot of football games for us to discuss this week. It's a jam-packed week, so let me get you, uh, you know, caught up with what's going on. Obviously, we've got this episode coming out, this episode going out on Tuesday, October 11th. On Wednesday, October 12th, I will be on ESPN San Antonio's The Hardline from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time with David Chancellor. He is the great one who uh, resides here in San Antonio, Texas. So if you want to listen to that, you can at 94.5 FM, 1250 AM, or ESPN Also, later in the week, we will have an episode of the RJO Show, a bonus episode specifically discussing everything going on with Dak Prescott, Tony Romo, a few Inside the Star staff writers, Jess Haney and Sean Martin will join me. We'll have that bonus episode out to you on Thursday. And then on Friday morning, we'll have our week six picks with Jimmy Jalsethna, who joins the show after every Thursday night football game to discuss all of that. Let's discuss the week that was, week five. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope uh, your team won. If you're not a Cowboys fan, I hope, obviously, Obviously, if you are a Cowboys fan, that you enjoyed the victory. I enjoyed it a lot myself. If you follow me on Twitter, you watch Ocho Live, I appreciate the support. I was at the game, and it was just so much fun. And we've got a lot of posts for you at InsideTheStar.com evaluating the game, what the Cowboys did well, how they can continue to improve, how they can continue to be this dominant force that we saw. We'll start by discussing that game, the Cowboys beating the Cincinnati Bengals 28-14 to at AT&T Stadium, it was just a big win for the Cowboys. Everything went right. This was exactly how you want to win a game if you're the Cowboys. The run game was working. The defense did what they did. At one point, this was 28 to nothing. And this game was more proof that Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, who I dubbed Sigford and Roy prior to this game because they were going to tame these Tigers, that they are for real. Ezekiel Elliott finished the day with 15 carries for 134 yards. Not a lot of work for him in terms of number of carries. He did rip off a 60-yard touchdown run early in the third quarter, the longest touchdown run of his career so far. If you're a Zeke Elliott fan, you'd kind of been waiting for this moment, you know, waiting for uh, for him to, you know, really prove that he's that home run hitter. We all knew it, but we just wanted to see it. And so uh, that was that game. The Bengals, though, looked like a mess. The Bengals got outplayed, outcoached, and just outwanted. The Cowboys obviously wanted this game more than them. A.J. Green was not that impressive. The Bengals sorely missed Tyler Eifert. And when he gets back, I think that they'll have a shot to be a little bit more cohesive, a little bit more dangerous. But right now, they are not a big deal. Let's talk about some other teams and other games across the NFL because we also have some storylines that we need to discuss after we run through week five. The Steelers beating the New York Jets 31-13. to I love it when the scores are mirrors like that. Look, this game, Ben Roethlisberger, 380 yards, not a shocker. Sammy Coates, though, was sort of the star of this game. It really is just, if you're a wide receiver opposite Antonio Brown, a good life for you. He had 139 yards on the day. Le'Veon Bell, only 66 yards in his second game back from suspension. The Jets are in such a funk. They're 1-4. and four. It really proves why the Jets had to have that week one win against the Bengals because they've lost now to the Seahawks. They've obviously lost 
to the Steelers, and they lost to the Chiefs. I mean, and they have the Cardinals coming up. The Jets are in a downward spiral. It's a tough life for them. They obviously miss Eric Decker a lot. And hey, you know what? That's the life of a Jets fan. The New England Patriots saw the triumphant return of Tom Brady, the perfect one. And Tom Brady had more passing yards in week five than any other quarterback. 406 yards for Mr. Brady as the Patriots beat the Browns 33 to 13. If you, uh, you know, if you're into spreads and covers or anything like that, this was sort of, uh, this was a slam dunk. You knew the Pats were going to come out and take care of business. You had a lot of support going on from New England Patriots players for Tom Brady for his return. It was amazing. Chris Hogan really woke up 114 yards. I thought that was amazing. You look at what New England's able to do week in, week out, season in and season out, and you're just amazed at this point. I've, I've said before that I think when it comes to the Patriots, there's sort of a cycle that, that all non-Patriots fans go through. At first, you really hate them. You think, oh, they're cheaters. Oh, they just... They run up the score, oh, this and that, blah, blah. And then, you know, you sort of come out of the tunnel on the other side and you reach a point where you just respect the greatness that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are. The poor Browns. What was interesting about the Browns was NFL Network's Courtney Fallon. She had a tweet that said, per source, the the Browns are willing to deal anybody on their team, including all pros, guys like Joe Thomas, or if you want to consider Joe Hayden still of that stature. They're willing to trade anybody except for Terrell prior he is the lone untouchable person on their team which makes sense Hugh Jackson brought him over personally and you know what he didn't have that incredible of a game against the Patriots but certainly the brightest spot right now for a young Cleveland Browns team the Tennessee Titans got a win in Miami this is a weird uh game to sort of analyze you know Ryan Tannehill 191 yards you just you have to wonder what's going on in Miami I mean the Titans sort of drudged this one I know they had 30 points but still it's a, a weird pairing of a game and obviously if you're a Dolphins fan if you're in the Miami or local area our, our thoughts and prayers are with you as Hurricane Matthew sort of you know um, you know went through there obviously and all all that circumstance but this, you know DeMarco Murray looks great and, and good for him good that he sort of found life again but the Dolphins are, you know, their one win was against the Cleveland Browns, and it took them overtime to get it, and it took, you know, some missed field goals on behalf of the Browns. The Dolphins are in a mess, and you thought that Adam Gase was going to really revitalize that offense, and maybe he will, but, you know, through five games, he certainly hasn't. The Philadelphia Eagles suffered their first loss of the season as Carson Wentz threw an interception near the end of the game that sealed it. Darius Slay getting that pick for the Lions, who won 24-3. to This was a fun game. This was a big Theo Riddick game for the Lions. Obviously caught two touchdowns. Look, the Lions aren't anything interesting, but this is kind of who they are. I think the Lions are going to get some big, surprising wins throughout the season like they did against the Eagles, but that's kind of all she wrote. I do believe the Eagles are going to come down to earth a bit. The Eagles, you know, they played the Lions, obviously lost. They get the Redskins, and they get the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Falcons. Falcons, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Bengals, the Eagles sort of, you know, let's give them a lot of props for everything they've done. Their defense is certainly for real. Jim Schwartz, obviously a bit bummed that he couldn't get this win in Detroit, but the Eagles, I think, are going to come down to earth a bit. I think that Carson Wentz, and this goes for all rookie quarterbacks right now, I think his rookiness is going to show at some point. This interception, not necessarily his fault in this game, but while Carson Wentz has been amazing, I believe that some of these cracks are going to start widening for the Eagles, and I think we saw that a little bit in this game. The Eagles fall to 3-1. and one. It's amazing that we're through Week 5 and they've already had their bye week, but hey, that's the way the schedule goes. The Chicago Bears... 
Couldn't get it done in Indianapolis in the Super Bowl 41 rematch. Brian Hoyer amazingly amassed 397 yards. T.Y. Hilton showed up 171 yards. The Colts, look, if the Colts had lost this game, it would have been embarrassing, especially after saying they didn't want to buy after the London game. 29-23 to was the final score. Andrew Luck and Co. are in this only because the AFC South is so shaky right now. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the Colts are one of the the you know least impressive teams in the NFL it's it's really sad the lack of talent around Andrew Luck right now and I know that sounds ridiculous because T.Y. Hilton had 171 rushing yards but the Colts are I think grateful to get this win against the Chicago Bears but you know they travel to Houston on Sunday Night Football in week six so I think we'll finally get to see who the the lead dog is in this AFC South race but the Bears poor Bears I just feel so bad for the Bears. They've got Brian Hoyer, Jordan Howard, who did have 118 yards. But there's not a lot to be excited about if you're a Bears fan right now. There really isn't. It does feel like the Bears are destined for one of the the top picks in the 2017 draft. I, I just I got a gut feeling that Chad Kelly somehow, some way, is going to end up the quarterback of the Bears in the future. The Washington Redskins beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. The battle for the state of Maryland, 16 to 10, was the final score. Kirk Cousins is sort of you know getting closer to his 2015 form, I think. And you know I think that the Redskins are outside of the Cowboys the most dangerous team in the NFC East as the season progresses because that offense is scary. The Giants offense, in theory, should be scary. We'll get to how porous they were on Sunday Night Football, but the Redskins offense is finding ways to get it done. If their ground game can get going, I think that the the, excuse me, the Redskins are an interesting team as the season moves on, but speaking of that ground game, Terrence West for the Baltimore Ravens, it's a bummer that he's not being used enough, and maybe that's why Mark Tressman was fired on Monday morning, Mark Tressman let go by the Baltimore Ravens, their offensive coordinator. He's had a rough go of things ever since really coming on strong in 2013 with Josh McCown and Alshon Jeffrey and, and Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett. Those days are, are so far in the rearview mirror. The Ravens, you know, dropping two in a row. I, I do think the Ravens are better than this, but it's amazing that they were only able to put up 10 points when Terrence West looks so good, when Joe Flacco's got such a great deep ball these days. It's uh, it's unfortunate. And you know what? For what it's worth, last time the, the Ravens fired an offensive coordinator midseason 2012 was Cam Cameron. They went on. They won the Super Bowl. So good job. And that was also, for what it's worth, the last time they played the NFC East. So a lot of coincidences lining up for the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see how they move on. Another team that wears purple, the Minnesota Vikings. We had a 31-13 score in terms of the Steelers and the Jets. We got another one, the Vikings beating the Texans by that margin. Sam Bradford, the, the Vikings are just so impressive. Again, Mike Zimmer, give him coach of the year already. Don't even wait. They are, and a bit of a spoiler alert in terms of the games we'll get to in a minute, the Vikings are the NFL's last unbeaten team. And it's amazing. Every week they find a new guy, you know, to get it done Feeling the wide receiver, 127 yards. Matt Asiata, 55 yards on the ground. Doesn't sound like a lot, but they're getting things done. And this game wasn't as close as this box score suggests. The Texans finally scored in garbage time lay. I think if you're a Texans fan, we'll discuss this with Jimmy Jalsethna later in the week, you're a little bit worried because Bill O'Brien's supposed to be an offensive innovator. He's supposed to have uh, a lot of talents with quarterbacks. You haven't seen a lot from Brock Osweiler. Honestly, you haven't seen a lot from Lamar Miller either. I think the biggest lights of optimism for the 2000. 16 Houston Texans are DeAndre Hopkins because he's 
great, and Will Fuller. Outside of that, it's hard to hang your hat on anything for these Texans. And I think that this game against the Colts that we just talked about on Sunday Night Football Week 6 is going to really tell us who wants this division more or who is less bad. But we will see. Moving on, I know I spoiled it a little bit, but the Denver Broncos entered Week 5 unbeaten. They left you know, with a loss. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons 23-16 to at mile high. Matt Ryan, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Julio Jones not having the, the best game in, in this game, but still the Falcons offense, and it's amazing that a Shanahan had such a great day in Denver, but it wasn't Mike. It was Kyle, the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, likely one of the next head coaches in the NFL. Every year, you know, there's that guy, the Adam Gases of the world, the the young, you know, hot, not, you know, just sort of, uh, everything's going right for him, offensive coordinator, and that's who everybody goes for. Kyle Shanahan, I think, you know, you talk about guys like Josh McDaniels might get his, his another shot, but Kyle Shanahan's one of those dudes, and the fact that they went into mile high, they beat the, the Denver Broncos, the reigning world champions, gave them their first loss since hoisting that Lombardi in February, was impressive. And I have been very critical of the Falcons for a long time. They deserve a lot of props, and I'll admit right now that I was wrong, that they are proving me and a lot of other people wrong because, you know, they look good. The Falcons are 4-1 and one atop the NFC South right now. The Falcons look if they're off, and that's that's really the thing with the Falcons. If Julio Jones is on fire, their team is great. But when he's not, in the past, is when they've struggled. And that's why Matt Ryan, I don't believe, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He needs the talent around him to be on elite levels, and he rises with that. But what makes these Falcons more dangerous than even the 2012 Atlanta Falcons, who were a play away from going to the Super Bowl, these Falcons have a run game. You had 88 yards from Devonta Freeman on the ground. Tevin Coleman had 132 receiving yards. The usage that the Falcons are getting out of their running backs is amazing, and it's what's opening up so much more for their offense and making what they're doing more lethal. They just took down what is arguably the best defense in the NFL. You could argue the Vikings are up there, but still, impressive performance by the Atlanta Falcons. The Oakland Raiders survive another one, beat the San Diego Chargers 34-31, to are 4-1 and one on the season. The Oakland Raiders are so much fun. If you don't like the Raiders, you just don't love fun football. Although, man, the Chargers, you, you got to feel so bad for them. You got to hurt for them. They find ways to lose these games every week. They're without a doubt the best 1-4 team in the NFL. I mean, you could, they could, they, the Chargers could be 5-0 and if really possible. But still, Phillip Rivers, 359 yards. This was the game that Amari Cooper sort of woke up this season for the Raiders, which is a good thing. But, man, this game was a lot of fun. It was at the, the 3 o'clock hour. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of just get that feeling when you watch a, Char- a Chargers-Raiders game. It, it's one of those the sun is, is right, you know, hanging right perfectly above the stadium out in California and just everything looking good. But the Raiders, that's who the Raiders are this season. You know, they, they're this exciting team that gets these epic victories. You just feel like the Raiders are destined for a wild card weekend victory, and then they're going to lose in painful fashion in the divisional round. That's just, you, you've seen this before with different teams. That's who they are. Derek Carr, though, Derek Carr's not really getting a lot of love for the MVP discussion. I think he's at least in the conversation. What the Raiders are doing is so much, so much fun. So long awaited. We've all been waiting for the Raiders to finally return to relevance, and I'm glad that they're there, but I do feel badly for the Chargers. The Los Angeles Rams couldn't capitalize on the momentum that they built for themselves, losing at home in the Coliseum to Reggie Bush and the Buffalo Bills 30-19, to Rex Ryan getting it done. It's amazing what the Bills have done since getting destroyed on Thursday Night Football to the Jets, Rex's old team, but 
this was a, a weird game. It was kind of a boring game, although 30 points. Again, it's hard to be boring and score 30 points, but that's kind of what the Bills have done. Although the Bills, they traded for LaShawn McCoy a season and a half ago in the offseason, and 150 yards from Mr. McCoy on the ground. The Bills are starting to find their identity. I don't think that they're anything special this season, but I think that the Bills at least know who they are, and they know how to win games, and if they can execute their game plan, they're dangerous. And it's also helpful if they get to play the Rams. The Rams are very one-dimensional. The Rams have to hold you to a low amount of scoring. They have to play elite defense. They have to get a few plays on offense, and that is how they win. They were able to do that you know, for a few weeks there, but uh, just couldn't get it done against the Bills. The Rams are never going to outscore 30 points. If you can hang 30 points on the Los Angeles Rams, you are going to win because they simply cannot match that. The Sunday night football game, the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, primetime at Lambeau Field, really is one of the most beautiful things in football. Taking on the New York Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. entering this game, supposedly not having fun anymore. He caught a touchdown, so maybe Odell is happier. You know, and after he caught the touchdown, if you missed it, he ran over and, and hugged the kicking net. It was really funny, and kudos to Odell that he can make fun of himself and make fun of the situation. But the Giants could not get this done. The Giants, after starting 2-0, and have dropped three in a row. They are 2-3, and the bottom of the NFC East. And the Packers, you know, I don't think the Packers are great right now. I think the Packers are one of the top teams in the NFC. They have the pedigree that suggests they are, so you have to take them seriously. But the Packers right now are, are very beatable. The Packers don't look dominant. The Packers aren't getting a lot. But, you know, both Randall Cobb and Eddie Lacy suffered injuries in this game. We'll see about the status on them later in the week. But I think Aaron Rodgers is is starting, I don't want to say to regress a little bit, but he's just not at that superhuman level that he once was. And it makes sense. I mean, he's a human and he's going to come down a bit, but we'll see what happens from the Packers. They're obviously, I think, the second best team in that division right now because of what the Vikings are doing. So, you know, kudos to you, Green Bay. Way to get that win. Give me some cheese curds. The final game of the week, Monday Night Football was perhaps the most boring and that's because this week began with just a dreadful Cardinals 49ers game on Thursday night football you know I tweeted this on Tuesday because this was the lowest week five Monday night football rating that the NFL has seen since ESPN took over Monday night football in 2006 and a lot of that is is fairly obvious I think Cam Newton was ruled out on Saturday for this game due to a concussion he sustained in week uh, week four uh, week uh, week four, yeah week four against the uh, the Atlanta Falcons but you know so you had Derek Anderson you had yes you have Jameis Winston but the Bucks in general aren't exciting they aren't going to you know light a fire in terms of a national audience and you know my, my tweet that I said was if you were ever going to miss a game because sometimes it happens if you're a hardcore football fan like me you want to watch every single game but sometimes you have to miss them and you you keep up on Twitter you keep up you know with the apps you you monitor everything you monitor your fantasy players if there was ever a game that you did that it was this one and it was so boring the Bucks winning 17 to 14 thanks to a last second Roberto Aguayo field goal kick which I think if you're just if you have a heart you were happy to see because Aguayo had missed two field goals already in this game one that would have taken the lead for the Bucks later in the fourth quarter. The Bucks able to get the ball back. Dirk Cutter, though, with an incredibly conservative style of play calling, really questionable, but still able to get the Bucks in a, in a position to win. Aguayo came in through the clutch, and again, good to see. Just good to see Aguayo get some confidence in him and some positive wind in his sails. The Buc- uh, excuse me, the Panthers shockingly 
at one and four. The Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. We'll see if they can rebound, but it's going to be tough for them as the Falcons are looking really far down on them from a four and one perspective. But hey, that's the way football goes, and that's the way week five went. As soon as we get back from this break, we're going to talk about some signings, some injuries, a whole bunch of news, everything going on. I want to get into that rating discussion a little bit more. So don't go anywhere. Hang on. We'll be right back after this break here on the RJ Show. The way that you walk, it's just the way that you talk, like it ain't no thing, and every single day is just a break. Cowboys Nation, our team is 4-1 and things are looking pretty good. You know what you need to do is you need to check out InsideTheStar.com for everything concerning the 4-1 Dallas Cowboys. At InsideTheStar.com, myself and my fellow teammates, we do everything in our power 24-7, 365 to make sure that you, the voices of a nation, are caught up when it comes to America's team. At Inside the Star, we have game previews, player profiles, reactionary pieces, and my bold predictions every single Friday. Check us out on the web, InsideTheStar.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Inside the Star DC or at Cowboys Nation. Like our official Facebook page, just search for Inside the Star or hang out with us on Google Plus, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. Go on and do it for me. Now watch me whip, kill it. Now watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip, whip. Watch me nay nay. Why me do it? Now watch me whip. Uh, watch me RJ. Oh, watch me whip. Yo, and watch me RJ. Oh, come on. Welcome back to the RJ O Show, everybody. I hope that you are having yourselves a great day. That's right, the RJ O Show, where we talk about the NFL. 24-7, 365, really not 24-7. We come to you a couple times a week. 24-7 would be weird. If you were listening to the RJO show 24-7, I would applaud you, but it would be um, it'd be difficult. I'll say that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that little break there, um, and I hope you check out InsideTheStar.com. You should. We have a lot of great content coming out for you this week as the Cowboys prepare for their next game against the Green Bay Packers. And you know what's interesting about this game? Before we get into some NFL news, This game, a lot of people are comparing to the 2014 game the Cowboys played in Seattle. It's a similar type of game in terms of a statement. That game was America's Game of the Week, which, if you're unaware, just means that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were on the call. You know, that's America's Game of the Week normally. Troy, Joe, and Aaron Andrews, they're Fox's number one team. That was America's Game of the Week, but because it's in October, Joe Buck does baseball. He does the baseball playoffs and everything. So... Tom Brenneman of Fox takes over for Joe for a game or two usually during the season, and that was Tom Brenneman's first game. It was not Joe, Troy, and Aaron Andrews. It was Tom Brenneman, Troy Aikman, and Carissa Thompson. This week's game in Green Bay is America's Game of the Week, and just like 2014, no Joe Buck, Tom Brenneman will be the play-by-play announcer alongside Troy Aikman and Aaron Andrews this time around. So, speaking of the Cowboys, that uh, those Cowboys are the first team in NFL history to have a 1,000-yard rookie passer and a 500-yard rookie rusher in the first five games of the season. It's amazing. You know, that's just uh, incredible when you think about it. But let's talk about some things going on beyond America's team. And there's 
A bit of serious news to discuss. The Denver Broncos had announced on Sunday that Gary Kubiak, their head coach, was taken to the hospital with flu-like symptoms and that he was currently being evaluated. Now, you know, word trickled out that he was feeling better and he was still resting. And initially, it was uncertain whether he would coach in week six because the Denver Broncos play on Thursday night football against the San Diego Chargers. Now, Gary Kubiak was released from the hospital. The Broncos were encouraged with his medical tests. All this is per ESPN's Adam Schefter, obviously. But the Broncos then reported that Gary Kubiak was diagnosed with a complex migraine condition that caused extreme fatigue and body weakness. Now, if you remember, Gary Kubiak very infamously, I don't want to say collapsed, but mildly fainted during a Texans Colts Sunday night game in 2013. It was very scary what happened to, uh, to Gary Kubiak then. But you know, thankfully he bounced back, obviously won the Super Bowl. That was obviously the coach of the Texans. Now he's the coach of the Broncos. And on uh, on Monday, it was announced that Gary Kubiak would not be making the trip to San Diego for Thursday night's game. And in his steed, special teams coordinator Joe Camillus will be the head coach. For what it's worth, again, this is all per Adam Schefter. He is the son-in-law of former Broncos head coach. Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves playing for the Cowboys for a long time. Joe DiCamilla served as a coach on the Cowboys staff as well. So some cool um, ties there for all our Cowboys listeners. Look, obviously we want Gary Kubiak to get well and get right. I think the Broncos are handling this situation as best as you can. And you know what? The Broncos are handling a lot of things as best as you can. They did not play Trevor Simeon on Sunday in their loss to the Atlanta Falcons, instead choosing to go with Paxton Lynch. But a lot of people believe that that's because they did not want to play Trevor Simeon twice in five days since they would be playing the San Diego Chargers on Thursday. And since the Chargers are a division game, the Falcons are a non-conference game, the Chargers game is far more important. It was smart, you know, play of the hand by John Elway and everybody involved. And I think this is right on up there. So Coach Kubiak, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Heal up. On Tuesday, word trickled out that Chip Kelly told his 49ers staff and everybody that Colin Kaepernick will be the starter when the San Francisco 49ers play the Buffalo Bills on Sunday in Buffalo. This is, um, you know, kind of expected. Word started to trickle out last week that the 49ers were working on a contract um, renegotiation with Kaepernick. And the, the reason this is pertinent is because Kaepernick has an injury clause in his contract to where if he's hurt, he still gets paid a certain amount of money. That is trying to be undone for the team's benefit. Everybody is cheap in the NFL. It's a business. You want to get the most by spending the, le- the least. And um, it looks like that has worked out. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they did win on Monday Night Football, but they lost Charles Sims, obviously, last week. They put him on IR. So Charles Sims, not a part of the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' plans moving forward. Again, we're just sort of beasting through news right here. You know, another piece of news that is particularly interesting when it comes to the NFL, you know, concerns Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton did not play on Monday Night Football, but Adam Schefter reported on Tuesday that he was, um, you know, moving around, starting to feel better, and, um, you know, good for Cam. Good for Cam. The NFL needs Cam. You look at how boring the NFL Monday night football game was on Monday, and we'll get to that here in a second. But, uh, you know, Cam Newton is much needed. The reigning MVP needs to be on his team. That goes without saying. The NFL also upheld Lane Johnson's 10-game suspension, so that begins 
now the Eagles will be without him and their offensive line is going to be, I don't want to say in shambles, but their offensive line is interesting at this point. Somewhat related to the NFL, and we'll just blow through this really quickly, Greg Hardy, the troubled defensive end, troubled is obviously putting it very lightly, not condoning anything that Greg Hardy has been involved in, but he is pursuing an MMA career. So he's looking to uh, become a physically violent person for a living. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But nevertheless, it is news. The, uh, the Cleveland Browns cut Charlie Whitehurst. So poor Charlie Whitehurst. Just, you know, he is the ultimate sort of um, – What's what's that little thing you go through in, in amusement parks uh, that counts all the attendance people? Whatever that is, that's who Charlie Whitehurst is. And, uh, you know, no longer a member of the Cleveland Browns. It's a it's rough day in your life if you get cut by the Cleveland Browns. But moving on, Justin Forsett, the former Baltimore Ravens running back who posted, I don't want to say an ad, but who posted on Twitter that he was looking for work. He is signing with the Detroit Lions. This kind of makes sense for the Lions as they already have Amir Abdullah on IR for the season, although theoretically looked good, but it gives the Lions another option in the run game coming off that impressive win at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you know, real quickly on Kaepernick, a lot of people I realize are going to have a lot to say about the the national anthem protests and things like that. And, you know, that is what it is. I, I do think that this move is what's best for the San Francisco 49ers, the football team. And because Blaine Gabbert had, had been just truly terrible. He was four and nine in his last 13 starts. You know, Colin Kaepernick hasn't started a game since week eight of 2015. And, you know, he's three and 10 in his last 13 starts. So it's not like he's much better than Blaine. In fact, he's worse. But I think that at the very least, Colin Kaepernick is, is more exciting. And, and that's who you want to see. You want to see the more exciting player, the more exciting quarterback. That's the one who gives you the chance to win. So we'll see if he can get it done against the Bills. Colin likely this season playing for, I don't want to say his NFL life. That sounds really dr dramatic, but he is. I mean, people and teams will look at the body of work he puts together between now and the end of the season and to see if he still has the good. So let's talk about Monday Night Football. Let's talk about TV ratings. This was something we touched on in last week's episode of the RJO Show. I want to reference this article from awfulannouncing.com. It's called Why Are NFL Ratings Down? The League's Greed Has Finally Caught Up to It. This was written by Jim Weber on Monday, October 10th, and it was outstanding. If you haven't read it, go read it. If you're into this side of the NFL like I am, I, I think that this is important because this is how the NFL maintains its status as the most powerful sports league in America and certainly in, in North America and arguably in the world. Although, you know, I think that a lot of soccer organizations are more powerful than the NFL, but still, you know, and it starts off because the whole purpose of this is obviously disgusting, discussing the NFL's 11% drop in TV ratings so far. And, you know, it says that a lot of people sum it up to Colin Kaepernick, who we just discussed, or the presidential election and people choosing to watch the debates over that, which are, you know, an own level of reality television in themselves. People also think it's because of live streaming. And if you know me, you know that I Ocho live every day. And so I believe in that. And I believe there's a lot of that in, in this. But the, the Olympics also played a bit of a factor, although the Olympics are, are far from still going on. 
Also, this article mentions the progressive sports media people being a little bit more hip to things. The lack of brand-name quarterbacks. You think about this season started without Tom Brady. Peyton Manning had retired. Tony Romo wasn't playing. There was a lack of star power, and that makes sense. Deflategate, CTE, you know, Ray Rice, these are other things that the article suggests that people suggest for the drop in ratings because people are fed up with those stories and, and those aspects of the NFL. But this article goes on to talk about how it has nothing to do with that. It's the NFL's greed and how the NFL is is too much, obviously, after money to understand what it's doing and how it's damaging the product. And Roger Goodell, and this is, again, you should go check this out at awfulannouncing.com. He stated in 2010 that his goal was to grow league revenue from $8.5 billion to $25 billion by the year 2027. That's absurd. Okay, you think about that. That really is absurd. $25 billion. That's an enormous amount of money. And to grow that fast at that large of a rate, that's like a billion dollars a year. And Roger Goodell obviously thinks it's possible, but how is, is money like this, how is this greed really affecting the NFL? Well, you think about it. Now, I don't know where you live. I live in Texas. Maybe you live in Pennsylvania. Maybe you live in California. Maybe I know we have some international listeners. Maybe you live in Australia or England or, you know, wherever. But let's let's discuss how this works here in the United States, because I know I think maybe our international listeners would be interested by this. So I live in Texas. So every Sunday, the way it works, if you don't have the Sunday ticket, which the Sunday ticket is DirecTV's package and allows you to watch every game. Uh, you also can watch the Red Zone channel, which is, I believe, a reason for the NFL's drop in ratings. We'll get there in a second. But the 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 ticket allows you to choose whoever you want whatever game is going on at noon if you are a cleveland browns fan living in texas you can watch that game if you are a cowboys fan living in cleveland you can watch that game the red zone literally shows you every scoring play so like me if the cowboys aren't playing i love flipping on the red zone and just watching the action but the ratings aren't growing as a result of that because the ratings that are being accumulated are for the red zone channel now the local broadcasts on cbs and fox only show your local teams or whatever game is going on in your market. Typically, for me, since I live in Texas, that's the Cowboys game, whatever hour they're playing, or the Texans game, whatever they're playing. Other than that, it's just whatever national game is chosen to be shown on your market. So I bet if we have some Pennsylvania or California or whatever listeners that you have issues getting the Cowboys game a lot of times. So you're forced to buy the Sunday ticket. You're forced to figure things out. You're forced to stream online or whatever. And it's a difficult situation. The NFL is trying to gain so much money there, but people are getting hip to it. People are finding different ways. They'd rather go somewhere to watch the game or they'd rather use the Sunday ticket or watch the Red Zone channel because it's so much easier for them. But that's how the NFL is trying to make as much money as possible. This article talks about Thursday night football and the London games. Now, and it says that there's no secret that the Thursday night games or the London games are typically significantly lower in quality. If you think about it, it's very difficult to remember a captivating Thursday night or a London game because teams have less time to prepare for Thursday night or their rhythm is completely thrown off for a London game. And that makes sense. But the NFL, in terms of Thursday night games, they make so much money off of just the Thursday night football package. And it's only 18 games. They made close to $800 million between NBC and CBS in 2016 for the Thursday night game. For eight 
15 games. It's absurd when you think about it that way, but that's how they're building up all this money. And because they continue to have Thursday night games, the quality suffers. People don't care. That's that's what this is. People are not watching the NFL, or I should say people are watching it less because the games aren't that good. You know, we talked about the Monday night football game. If you had to miss a game, you knew I can miss this game. It's all right. You know, the, the quality of the product is dropping and the NFL is okay with that because people honestly, are going to continue to watch anyway. It's just they're losing some percentage, in this case, 11%. Now, the London games, the NFL wants to make money here in the sense that they're growing the game. It's no secret that soccer is the most popular sport in the world. I would actually say that basketball is the next most popular sport in the world. And the NBA has such a strong following in all other countries. I'm sure that, you know, I mean, we don't, I'm not even sure. We know that the NBA is huge in places like China and, and all over Europe. I mean, the NBA is enormously more popular overseas than the NFL, but the London game helps sort of diminish that, that difference. And the NFL wants to make this money. And as a result, they compromise their product, which is the quality of the games. Now, the NFL doesn't care, though, because most of us here are diehards. You, I mean, I, I, like I said, that Monday night game between the Panthers and the Bucks, it was a game that you could miss, but I still watched. You know what I mean? And I, I would bet that you watched, and it wasn't that good. And so the NFL is banking. They're arrogant. It's a word I use a lot. They're arrogant in that they think that you're still going to watch, and you probably are because it's the NFL. It's the best ticket in town. And they're willing to take lumps like this 11% loss because right now, look, you've got a lot of options sports-wise. It really is the best time of year because you've got baseball going on. You've got the basketball preseason. You've got the NHL kicking things up. And, and so there are a little bit more options. But as the season progresses, when we hit November and December, the NFL will dominate once again. But it, it is a shame that they're restricting what they could dominate even more by doing things like this. And I'll I'll go on record. I love Thursday night football. I love having another night with primetime football. But again, we have to call a spade a spade here and say that the quality of the game, we have enough of a sample size that to suggest that it's uh it's not that good. And so the NFL, I think, needs to get um, get on track with this and sort of figure out what they're doing and get their ducks in a row because this 11% could rise. And now a lot of things can change. You can have stars develop, you know, over time. Obviously, the league has a lot of great young players right now. And as they grow, as they establish themselves, the star power changes and things are looking good. There will be new Peyton Mannings and new Tom Brady's. It just takes time to get there. That's the way sports work, and it kind of makes sense that you would suffer a bit of a drop-off when Peyton Manning left. It shows, though, his power and his clout and exactly the stardom that, that he cast that, that people tuned in for Peyton Manning. It, it, it really, truly is amazing when you think about it, and we're about to hit that time of year where the NFL is once again the top dog because you know the MLB season will be over and the NFL will be having games that matter. That's the other thing is these games right now, obviously they matter to us, the diehards, but if you're uh, a casual fan, this game isn't as important. You want to watch when things are on the line, and as that gets closer and closer, people will tune in more and more. We will tune in more and more after this break on the RJO Show. When we wrap it up, we finish all the Week 5 major storylines and talk about what to expect as we look forward to Week 6. Don't go anywhere. Hang out right here. Just stay. Go get some food, maybe. Bring me some. And we'll have a good time. We'll be right back after this break here on the RJO Show.
What up, world? If that sounds familiar to you, then you know what Ocho Live is. If you don't, let me tell you. Ocho Live is the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option that you can watch by following me on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook Live feed. Every day on Ocho Live, we collectively gather and we talk about whatever is going on in the world of the Dallas Cowboys. The cool thing about live streaming, and if you know me, you know that I believe that this is the future, is that it provides an interactive environment where we can ask questions with one another and answer live on the spot. You are the co-host with me on Ocho Live. You can watch every day at 3 p.m. Central Time on Twitter. Just follow me at RG Ochoa. Periscope, just follow me at RG Ochoa. Or go like the official inside the star page to watch us on our facebook live stream this is the future of media from a sports and entertainment perspective and i want you to be a part of it with me so watch every day 3 p.m central time ocho live you will not regret it now let's get back to this episode of the rjo show welcome back to the rjo show i hope you're having a great day I always hope you're having a great day. That is how we roll. We want great days and great wins here on the RGO Show, where we talk about the National Football League a few times a week, every single week from now until the end of time. And we're here wrapping up another episode in the big book of the RJO show. And we've got a lot of action coming at you this week. So check this out. On Wednesday, October 12th, you can listen to me if you'd like on ESPN San Antonio's The Hardline, where I'll be co-hosting with David Chancellor. You can do that on 94.5 FM or 1250 AM if you are local, or you can listen at ESPNSA.com or on the ESPNSA app. On Wednesday night, myself and two of my fellow staff writers at InsideTheStar.com, Jess Haney and Sean Martin, are jumping in the podcast booth for a bonus episode of the RJO Show, where we are going to debate this Tony Romo, Dak Prescott nonsense. I will serve as the moderator. It will be a lot of fun. We'll have that available to you later on in the week, either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Thursday night after Thursday night football, Jimmy Jalsethna, our Houston Texans correspondent, and I will jump back in the podcast booth to discuss the Thursday night football game between the San Diego Chargers and... And the Denver Broncos, and then we'll make our picks and analyze every game from the week six smorgasbord that presents itself to all of us. Also, throughout the week, we'll have tons of content for you at InsideTheStar.com, evaluating the Cowboys in their 4-1 record and looking forward to the big matchup in Green Bay at 3 o'clock on Sunday with Tom Brenneman and Troy Aikman on the call. Also, you can watch Ocho Live every single day, 3 p.m. Central Time on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook Live stream. So, in terms of week six, these are my thoughts heading into it all right I want to see what happens with Trevor Simeon I think that Trevor Simeon and the Broncos played this nicely I think the Broncos are such a greatly run organization I think that Joe DiCamillis is going to do a great job as the interim head coach while Gary Kubiak heals up and gets ready that's the first thing but the other things I want to keep an eye out for this weekend the Arizona Cardinals are they going to bounce back? They don't play till Monday Night Football, so we won't get a chance to see that until all the games have been done. But the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers, last year's NFC Championship game participants, have really struggled to begin this season, all right? There's no denying that they have not been great teams, and it looks like right now the top teams in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings, who are undefeated, the Atlanta Falcons, who I admitted I need to take seriously, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles are hanging around out there, the Seattle Seahawks 
are always in the conversation, and the Green Bay Packers can never be counted out. This weekend, I think, goes a long way in telling us who these teams are going to be. Now, speaking of the Seattle Seahawks and Atlanta Falcons, their game is going to be one of the best ones of the weekend, I think. You know, we saw the Falcons go into Denver and handle that defense. This is also a rematch of that 2012 divisional game when the Falcons beat the Seahawks to go to the NFC Championship game. This And that, that was really the game that sort of birthed this Seahawks, if you want to call it a dynasty, dynasty. This run that the Seahawks have had since 2013 really began when they walked out of the Georgia Dome after losing that playoff game. And so I'm excited to see that matchup. Obviously, I'm excited to see the Cowboys and the Packers to see what they get going. But I'm also excited to see the Eagles and the Redskins because that, you know, this this division, the NFC East, took a lot of heat and deservedly so in 2015. This division has really risen to the top in the National Football League and established itself as one of the best ones of the season. Now, the Eagles and Redskins, this game could go a long way if the Cowboys do win this thing to determine if one of these teams is going to be a wild card team just because you have to wonder if the Eagles are going to be able to do it with Carson Wentz or if Kirk Cousins is going to be able to back everything up like uh, you know, like he did in 2015. Another game that I'm so excited to watch, one of the best uniform matchups you can possibly see, the Chiefs in Oakland. And this game, you know, you talk about divisions and who's going to win them. Obviously, the NFC East is up there. Predictably, the AFC West is up there. The Broncos are great. The Raiders are great. The Chiefs are not as great as I admittedly thought they would be. But the Chiefs and the Raiders, that's a game that's going to go a long way in determining who wins that division when it is all said and done. And this episode is all said and done. Like I said, all that content coming out for you later on this week. And then next week, we'll do it all again. Next week on Tuesday, we'll have an episode reviewing week six. I'm glad we're back to normal in terms of our pace thank you for listening for downloading for subscribing tell a friend tell everybody just literally go out your front door right now and scream rj osha please do it also remember if you're not doing it you need to every monday after the cowboys win hashtag victory polo monday it is a lifestyle and one that i guarantee you will enjoy this has been a fun episode thank you for hanging out with me we did it han style solo and we'll have a lot more guests as the week progresses i hope you have yourself a fantastic week i hope you have yourself a great meal i hope you i hope the greatest thing ever happens to you honestly that's what i want for you you deserve it i believe that in my heart in the old Corazon. And we'll talk to you later on throughout the week. Make sure uh, you tune into all that stuff. It'll be a whole lot of fun. I promise you that. Now, as always, go Cowboys. And peace out! Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Tell me.